You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast. And despite what the title may lead you to believe, this is a podcast about the joys and challenges of being a professional PHP developer. Your hosts are three passionate developers who make a living coding and who live stream every week to discuss coding, projects, work, tech, and running a business. And now, here are your hosts, Eric Van Johnson, John Congdon, and Tom Rideout. It's August 24th, 2023, and this is the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 349. If this is your first time listening or watching us, welcome. This is a podcast that focuses on the PHP programming language and its surrounding community. We are three real-world developers who make a living and run a business using the PHP programming language. Here's some focus on PHP. Something like that. <laughs> we live stream every Thursday night, 9 p.m. Pacific time. And you too can be part of that live stream by joining us in our Discord channel at discord.phpugly.com. All show long, they participate. You see their stream uh, alongside our video on the YouTube channel. And uh, they hang out there all week long. Some great conversations go on. We are, let's see, if you're watching us live, stick around for the after show. Uh, we have a lot of uh, back and forth after the show's over, things that we don't particularly like to release on the audio podcasts. Uh, the show's made a little better thanks to a few of our sponsors, HoneyBadger.io, PHP Storm, and PHP Architect, as well as our fantastic supporters on Patreon. And we're going to talk about all of them a little later on the show. For now, let me kick things off. I am your humble host, Eric. And with me tonight is my good friend, John. Hello. <laughs> I was just trying to stumble a little bit. And Tom. <laughs> I am six foot three, 215 pounds. You look fantastic. Thank you. You look Look as sharp there. Did you go to the look, doctor today or something? I looked no, no, I uh I was incarcerated. No, that, that makes much more sense. It's I, I, actually much easier to believe than you went to the doctor. Is is there something around this six foot three thing that you brought up? Oh, have you not seen it? Seen what? That that in Georgia Trump was arrested and gave his oh. height and weight as six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. No, oh, which no. is an odd number for someone who looks like the front half of a centaur. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he carries all two fifteen in the front of his belly. Yeah, That's all. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I. You know, we don't do a lot of political stuff, but uh, boy, what a weird day! No, completely missed that. <laughs> I yeah, figured so, the way you. St- I figured the way you said it, there had to be. A- a backstory there that I was missing. So the the social network formerly known as Twitter right now is exploding with people who are six foot three posting pictures of themselves and their weights and comparing it to equivalents, you know, pictures of somebody who couldn't have more than a gram of hair on his head total. And, <laughs> and it's, it's just, it's mostly basketball players, but it's still, it's, it's bizarre. It's, 
there, there was a previous arraignment two months ago. He listed himself as six foot one, two hundred and forty pounds. Not sure how in his in his age he has gained height and lost weight, but uh, <laughs> I would love that program. Yeah, I just don't care. <laughs> I wish I I wish I had more input, but I I, I I'm excited, but it will be nice to see if the U.S. judicial system actually does get applied. Sure. No, the the saying, like, no one is above the law would be great to actually put to a test. And I am deeply afraid that if we fail the test, it gets worse. If we If we pass the test, maybe we get back to, like, a modicum of normal. But if we fail that test that no one is above the law, like that that puts our country in a dark place. Yep. I agree. So that's all for politics. Sorry I brought it up. Eric, you brought up uh Discord, but you didn't mention the Discord bot that hangs out in there as well during the show that takes your title suggestions and it's been a running joke recently. Uh A Woods in Discord is the undisputed king of titles during the show. <laughs> Butter Crumpets is back and is trying to dethrone A-Woods. But if you want to help dethrone A-Woods, join us in Discord, uh, exclamation point or bang title. Give us a title suggestion and help us dethrone A-Woods. Yes, A-Woods does there's a, definitely there's a have a knack, going. <laughs> knack for it, doesn't he? <laughs> Right, how has everybody's week been? Tom, let's start with you in your spiffy new outfit. Your spiffy new outfit. Uh it's been a weird week. My uh my wife got COVID and I managed to get Stopping. something else. Not COVID. Tested myself several times, just common flu or whatever it might be. Uh, and and you know how it is when you miss a day because you're sick or something like that, and it's like you feel you feel a week behind the next day. Mm-hmm. I, I hate it so much. So playing a lot of catch up, uh, or at least in my mind, playing a lot of catch up, and uh, dealing with being on call at the same time. We have an on call rotation, and uh, it it just turned out that. Last Thursday was the start of my first on-call rotation, and I did not necessarily know what to do. What does your on-call consist of? So mostly Git blame. Uh, Our on-call is basically like problem shows up, it hits the on-call, it has a priority level, and you pull up the code, find out who committed that thing, how recently, and decide if they're the one responsible for it, or if not, dig further down, find out where the new issue was introduced that produced the alert. So it's really just, it, it's, you're, you're just the weather vane. You point to the person who has to take care of it, uh, but you're the first alert for it. You don't try to take care of it quickly. It's more of a get somebody else first. You just triage it. So the, that's not even triaging. If you're just get blaming my, that's true. My instinct is fix it myself, push it out. And every time I have followed that instinct, it has gotten worse, not better. Oh, I know that feeling. (laughs) 
That's right? no good. <laughs> no, it's no good. But like from just from my experience, like you want to just fix it and get in there, but it's always an edge case. It's always something that the original developer was like, yeah, I know it was in the back of my head and I didn't think it would happen. And you're not going to know the edge case. You're not going to understand why it's happening. So your bandaid is usually worse than an actual proper fix. So uh, depending on the level of the alert, you know, if it's a, if it's a four alarm, then you might have to wake up operations, roll back a commit. Uh, You might have to start doing some, some heavy lifting, but really on call is just gather the heavy lifters and tell them this is an actual issue. So it's a, it's a mailroom kind of job. Gotcha. I, I understand if you can't share this information, I don't know if we've ever asked, I've already said it before. 215 pounds. But <laughs> how how big is the application you work on? Are you responsible for everything on the on the web? And if so, is it just one app or are there multiple apps? Uh I would say it is a monolith. And that one of the recent errors I had occurred online roughly 1445 of a single uh, file. I love those files. We that is not solid by any means. <laughs> yeah, but we have a choice selection of well-aged files. <laughs> all uh all vanilla PHP? That I actually won't get into. Okay. But but I, I I will say that it's just when you come into an environment that has been a dot com since the mid aughts, you're going to encounter a lot of PHP that is programmed from the mid aughts with oh. the same styles and the same syntaxes and and it, it is uh it can be very difficult to troubleshoot. Thankfully Git Blame has an excellent inline integration into PHP Storm. Oh, I I so badly want to want to learn that you have PHP five code as hard as we wrote John about how long it took them to get off PHP four. I need I need this. I I still have PHP five code in production. John, I'm trying. I, I wasn't going, <laughs> I wasn't pointing fingers at you, man. <laughs> but it's all, all all I will say is that. Some of our code would run on PHP 4. That's fair. All right. Yeah. Well, let me take a moment here. I tried I tried to give you a nice segue to PHP Storm. I, <laughs> I, I, I do I appreciate that. And uh, let's take a moment and thank our fantastic sponsor, JetBrains PHP Storm. Hello, listener. This is Eric, the host of PHP Ugly, and it's really me, not some AI-generated voice, because I care about you, the listener, and think you deserve a real read of one of our sponsors. And that's what this is. Here at PHP Ugly, we are genuinely excited and happy to have JetBrains PHP Storm as a sponsor. We all use PHP Storm every day, and it makes development easier and fun. PHP Storm is a cutting-edge IDE tailored for PHP and web developers. Whether you're a professional PHP developer or a hobbyist working on personal side projects, there's never been a better time to check it out. Or maybe to check it out again with a slick 
clean new UI, blazing fast speed enhancements, and a richer toolkit that's transforming the way you code. Code like a professional. Visit JetBrains today at jetbrains.com forward slash phpstorm and kick off your 30-day free trial to start coding smarter, not harder. Now, back to the show. Thank you, PHPStorm. That's how you do it. Good job, Eric. That's literally literally not how you do it. That's what do you mean? That's exactly how I, I I literally did that one. The the pauses between sentences is where I can really pick up on it. Are you are you telling me right now you think that was AI? Yes, I know it was. It was absolutely not AI. That was one hundred percent me. That that is plug in in the audio cleanup thing that took out uh... some pauses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely cut cut all the spaces, ums and butts, silence. Yeah, yeah. Really? I thought that was AI. I, I, I was sure. I was sure. <laughs> Maybe an insult? I'm not sure anymore. It can go either way. It's funny. I thought for a hot minute. I'm like, you know what? I should have videotaped myself doing that read because Tom is not going to think that was me. He's going to give me a hard time saying that was the AI. Mm, mm. And I, I'm like, nah, there's, cause I listened to it again. I'm like, nah, that sounds way too different than the AI. Cause I had played for you, the AI version. Uh, oh yeah. Week. Your initial AI version was terrible, but I thought you had like refined more training. Somehow. Oh, I see. Yeah. 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 I can, I can definitely see why you think, well, then again, Compliment, insult, I don't even know anymore, but yeah. thanks. If you're Thank trying you. to catch up with this conversation, last week. Last couple of weeks, right? Last couple of weeks, yeah, actually. But last week, specifically, these two knuckleheads were supposed to give me reads for oh, their joking. ads. Absolutely not joking. <laughs> And still waiting for those. Well, no, because and you used when like, they the didn't. voice for one of them, and we all violently reacted to it. When when they didn't get me the reads, I did some AI training on their voices <laughs> and created AI versions of the reads. They still complained, but you don't see them giving me reads, do you? No, you don't. I I think what I need to do is every week make the reads increasingly and increasingly like more embarrassing for them. Maybe that's what I'll do, <laughs> but kind of along those same lines, I got to spend some time this week with uh fucking Steve and um, he got me kind of up to speed on mid journey and how to properly use mid journey to create images. Cause I was like, I kept trying and trying to do it. And I just, I was creating the worst images, like unusable. I'm like, this is like horrible. This doesn't even look anything like what I asked it to create. And Steve took some time because he wrote an article. He's written a couple articles for us now where he generated artwork for his article using uh, MidJourney. And I'm like, how are you doing this? How are you doing this? And he's like, yeah, let's jump on the call. So that was fun and also very addictive. Like, I have been just generating all these 
different images. It's like it's like you've got to train yourself to do it, like to be good at it. Like I, I'm still finding like the little secrets, and I'm very novice. I can feel it. I can see it in the images that I generate compared to like what I see other people generate. But I'm getting there. Like I'm getting there very quickly. Um, Tim Tim so, Lytle's good at it too. I've seen a couple he? of couple of ones he's generated recently, and I was like, I need to learn that. <laughs> Yeah, it's like a skill in of itself. It it is. It is. It's a data set thing too. Like you have to learn how to create your own custom data sets, which is really the key to getting exactly what you want. Where, what do you mean by that? So one of the things that I don't know if you guys follow Corridor Crew, but the they've gotten very good at their own faces and taking large models, but training, uh, training these large models on their own content. So okay, can, can I pause you for a quick second? It's weird that you said that because <laughs> whenever my whenever my images did a um, what's called a blend, where I, I was trying to feed it our our images so that it would generate images for us, like you know, of us in in our thumbnails, and like every time it created a person it looked like somebody from that youtube channel corridor corridor crew yeah corridor crew it looked like one of them i'm like i swear to god this is this is those youtubers i think they've hijacked the engine and they've just overloaded it with training of their own faces your your kids wondering if you're trying to replace them okay what champ is on timeout now Your kid was wondering if you're trying to replace them in the in the thumbnail generation. Champ, I, I told you to see the doctor about that. He'll give you a couple shots. You'll be fine. <laughs> uh, so it's, I mean, these are these are all LLMs, large language models, and they learn based off of the content that you feed into them. Well, no, and, see, I, and I, the don't, trick, I don't want to call you out on that. All right, go ahead. I'll let you finish. The trick is to give it a list of a uh, very explicitly defined content to train off of. This is Tom. This is Eric. This is John. Uh, uh, video works really well for that. If you just upload large amounts of video, I, I don't. I'm not sure if Mid Journey works like that. I don't. It, it might. I'm. I'm. I'm not. I'm not to that stage. Uh, maybe I, I tried to leapfrog things a little bit. I was trying to get Mid Journey to include our images. Our yeah, our, our faces on images, but that that just went sideways. What was horrifying is it was combining all of our faces into one face, <laughs> and that person looked better than any of us. Like it was a very <laughs> handsome individual. Like all together, we make a pretty good look. We all three of us should just have a baby together. <laughs> nice looking dude, but uh, as individuals, not so much. <laughs> But at this stage, the stage I'm at right now and what Steve worked with me on is props, like understanding it's same thing with chat GBT, understanding how to ask a question to chat GBT is the same thing with mid jury, understanding how to explain in the prompt what it is you want an image of and then kind of you know, massaging that and tweaking it and, and making it better because you can build off of an image. Like you, you say, Hey, get me a elephant, ele- uh, elephant in a cyberpunk city. 
and it might generate something that's like, all right, that's close, but no. And then you just have it regenerate and because it gives you options. It like does like four and you, you'll, you can pick one to kind of upscale and then, you know, create more off of that one. So that's where I'm at. Just like the prompt stage, like trying to understand how I have to talk to it because I've gotten pretty good with chat GPT. And let me tell you something. I'm using chat GPT lately like crazy not so much for programming but uh like google sheets i am doing so much with google sheets now that i never knew i could do by just asking chat gbt hey if i want to do this in google sheets is this possible and it's like oh yeah sure just you know create this formula and this and that i'm like alrighty. and so and now i gotta see what you're doing yeah i i the, the well, client the client we have uh john i've been i i have been failing because we have moved a lot of our workflow over to notion php architect team even our workflow that involves other clients that have that have their own systems in place but those systems weren't really conducive to development and so I, it's been like this back and forth with them and negotiating, like, uh, let us do this, th- these parts in Notion. And then, you know, we'll do these parts, you know, over here in your ticketing system. And it hasn't been great, but uh, the, the, where was I going with all that? Oh, so specifically what I did today was I was supposed to be generating reports for this client based on all the project information that we have in Notion. And I just, I wasn't happy with the way Notion was generating reports. It was just like this frustrating thing. It's like, that's not what I wanted. It it just wasn't looking right. So eventually I started dumping it to CSV files and sharing it with the client. And eventually the client's like, yeah, yeah, these are the columns I want. This is fine. But I was still frustrated because it's like, the biggest thing is like statuses. Our, our statuses in Notion are words, right? It's like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, draft, started, in progress, like that. But when it's exported to a CSV, there's no way to sort that properly. Like it only sorts alphabetically or A to Z. So if it's letters, it's alphabetical, numbers, it's numerical. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's not what I want. That's one of the things that uh, ChatGPT helped me with. It, it explained to me how I could get it to sort the way I wanted it to sort. Um, and then the other thing was uh, the, the project data was it was dumping too much into that cell. Like it was given the project name, this long link that to that project in Notion. I'm like, I don't want all that. I just want the name. And again, um, chat GPT is like, oh yeah, you can do find and replace with regular expression. And it gave me the regular expression to kind of only get the name of the project. And now I have a pretty decent report that I'm really happy with. And the client is also pretty happy with it. So yeah, I use chat GPT for that, for the formulas in notion, like the things you saw, John, with the um, I have that one particular one that I'm really proud of the tracking 
the tracking property that lets yeah. us know if something is you know on target or if it's running behind or if it's coming due. That whole crazy formula that you can look at, a lot of that was done through the help of ChatGPT. And interesting, yeah, it's it's really helped me out a lot with these things. And I think I've said it before in the past with you guys. I have a real. It's really challenging for me sometimes to explain what it is I'm trying to do, but for whatever reason, ChatGPT it gets me. It just gets me. I don't know. I just talk to it. I talk to it like a person, and I try to explain explain it like I feel like I explain it to everybody else, and it gets me, and I'm a happy guy. <laughs> well, so I don't know but, if this is going to please you or upset you now, because Microsoft has announced. They're integrating Python to Excel. Oh, that pleases me. I'm a, I like Python. This is it's an interesting case. But you also don't use Excel. <laughs> That's true. So, I don't. <laughs> so really, really, what they're doing is they're they're putting like an embedded Excel, uh, like an embedded web page as an Excel tab thing, and it can read from your local Excel library and call, uh, you know, matplotlib or stats models and do all this sort of stuff with your data. And it runs, it doesn't run locally, which I thought was interesting. This actually takes all your data and takes your Python and throws it up on uh, Microsoft's cloud service their their cloud processing service so what we would consider uh like the the AWS small runtime stuff what do they call that well while you're thinking of that this it's funny because i'm working on a project for my wife and the kids elementary school right now where they're going to use like qr to sheets just scan a qr code it adds it to a sheet and then i have additional sheets in in there that will tally up how many laps you run. Have you earned this charm because you've ran enough laps? Have you received that charm yet? If not, you're ready to get it. But I couldn't get the reporting done the way I wanted to within Google Sheets. Oh, so I have so I have, so I have a PHP side that reads in all the data and it can read a lot of data really fast and then can process it. I can have it spit out reports that I can easily print the way I want them to and then update the Google sheet to say, okay, this kid received their charms because we basically take, you know, all the kids in a class and give them to the teacher. So as soon as we do that, we assume the kid got the charm, right? So it's just like update it. Okay. They got it. And we're good to go. So cool. it's not Python, but it's PHP. You've been working on a relatively small project for like three months. I, I put so months. little time into it. It's fun though. <laughs> I, can I tell you about the? Uh, can somebody clip John just saying that I put so little time into it? <laughs> it really isn't that little time. Um, since last week, I had fun when I, I caused an outage. I don't think I talked about it last week. Okay, bef- before you do, sure. You know what it helped you with that outage. It would not have. Go for it. <laughs> <laughs> Our next sponsor. Falling apart. 
this is your backing up sponsor messages. You're stepping on segues. This is the worst episode we have ever recorded. Oh, you have not listened to our episodes, have you? This is the run it. Our friends at Honey Badger IO for sponsoring this podcast. When you're as bad of a developer as I am, monitoring your application becomes essential. I need clear, actionable intelligence on what I did wrong. Not walls of charts and reams of logs to tail. That's why I use Honey Badger, the monitoring tool we always wanted. A tool that's there when you need it and gets out of your way when you don't so that you can keep shipping. Know when critical errors occur and which customers are affected. Respond instantly when your systems go down. Improve the health of your systems over time. And fix problems before your customers can report them. Honey Badger is the application health monitoring tool built for you, the developer who cares about a quality product and happy customers. Be the hero of your team and sign up for a free trial and start monitoring today at honeybadger.io. Setup takes as little as five minutes. See what you've been missing and fix it. Once again, that's honeybadger.io. Now let's get back to the show. John, thank you, like, Honey Badger. Thank, thank you, Honey Badger. Badger. Thanks, John. John, John Obama. <laughs> sounds like he's trying not to breathe through his nose. His AI is like that trying is, not to breathe through his nose. That is that is definitely someone uploaded Obama and John together, and it just it just yeah, they sound the so so much similar. You so nor, yeah. NorCal kid. So I I use Honey Badger. We use Honey Badger in a lot of our projects. How I caused this outage would not have been fixed by Honey Badger, unfortunately. Uh, for some reason, one of the, I guess, white labels of our client decided they didn't want to leave voicemail automatically with through the system. So that was disabled. You couldn't create a button that says, hey, leave a voicemail when I click this button. But there were buttons that existed prior to making that decision right and it probably a year later somebody says oh by the way this can still happen with these people so i said oh why don't i just delete all the buttons that have a voicemail rule attached to it and because somebody said the word compliance i thought it was critical and they said yeah go for it like that's fine just do it luckily i took a backup of the data and then deleted all that data not realizing that the way i coded this system Every button has a voicemail rule. It's just the voicemail rule says, don't leave a voicemail. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> so I, I basically deleted everyone's button. So they get to the end of a call and be like, uh, there's nothing to click. <laughs> 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 yeah, that was not good. Plot twist. I brought that on myself because, again, moving fast, right? You. Somebody says there's a compliance issue. You want to solve it as quick as you can. And I didn't get other people's eyes on it. Big misstep. Not not a good thing. Well, I mean, that that was a big thing with with Twitter. So when Jack Dorsey owned Twitter, the 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 motto was "move fast, break things," and it was like "move fast, comma break things." But when you move fast, things will break. It's not like move fast, but be careful. It was. Moving fast breaks things. Yeah, and, pretty much. And that's why our our procedure is take a breath. And why I got in some trouble 
last few weeks with, I did not want to put work on our QA team. I love the people I work with and I hate giving them something where I'm like, Hey, this test takes three days to run if you do it correctly. So here's how you hack the database. So it doesn't take that long to test. And sometimes oh, that's, we talked about this. Sometimes <clears throat> that's, that's fine, but sometimes it's QA's job to take three days to test something. And my new outlook as a, as a developer for 20 years is when QA is given something, give them the full workload. Don't try to lighten their load. They, they'll have their own process for lightening their load. They'll figure out how to make things run faster, but do not try to make things easier for QA because it's their job to make things harder for you. <laughs> I mean, that's, that's my new outlook is I really want a QA team. <laughs> it's that. really nice if you're willing to use the QA team you have, but it's really hard to hire somebody and say, here's, here's all the janitorial work. You have to do it every time I push out a PR. It's but that's hard. their job. Sure. But it's hard to do that to somebody. No, it's I, not. not it's, that's it's not what it's their an, job. <laughs> as an empathetic person, it's a hard thing for me to do. I want to make it easier. And so like show them the happy path and, and how to glide through it. And, and then I say at the end of the happy <clears> path, I'm like, here's exactly how this should operate. Here's how you should test it. Uh, and at the very end, I say also do regression tests, which is like, yeah. okay, why? So, did, why did I say that? I said that because yeah. I knew I was lying. Yeah. SoCal kid, uh, their new f- in quotation marks friend oh, uh, yeah. is a is a QA person. Uh, that's what they do uh, for for a pretty big group. Um, they do. I mean, they they don't have. I don't know what they do exactly. I haven't had that long of a conversation. <laughs> I don't care that much about them. <laughs> All right. I'm going to move on then. I, I I talked about that being a database thing. I deleted records. Destructive. It was bad. We are also in the process of trying to upgrade from MySQL 5.7 to 8. Mm. And You have my attention. Most things work fine on 8, but the API call to create a new contact basically would just fail we'd we'd end up getting a 500 error and we're like what the hell's going on you'd step through the code and it does an insert of the record and then when it gets to an update to update one of the record one of the columns it says that column cannot be null but in the you're looking at the query because you're step debugging and the query is updating that column and you're like, what the hell is going on? And people before me were trying to, to debug it. And they realized, well, if I delete the triggers on the table, it works fine. I'm like, what? That makes no sense. So I go and look. And we, there's two triggers. There's an uh, before insert and an after update trigger. And I'm looking through it. And I'm like, what is going on here? And I know there's some funkiness in the way I did the triggers. and uh, the triggers call stored procedures, but only in certain con- conditions. So they they originally thought it was that. And I'm going through, I'm like, no, it's not that. I try, I'm changing the triggers left and right, trying to figure out what's happening. And nothing I do is working. It keeps failing. 
I delete the after update trigger still fails. Like what? I delete the before insert and it succeeds. I don't, I'm like, what? I'm doing an update. We're doing an update. The insert trigger is causing this fail. I finally continue doing research and there is a, it was closed, but there's a MySQL bug reported for this. And they basically said, you're doing it wrong. (laughs) So my assumption from reading the bug report is we're doing an insert and inserting only a few columns, like four or five columns out of however many there are there. And I think it leaves everything else in an uninitialized state. So the column is marked as not null, but it wasn't set at all. So it's uninitialized. When you go to do the update, because of the before insert trigger, it's now trying to set that column to null to finish initializing all the columns and just fails. I don't get it. It's I weird. don't understand these things. I'm glad you've segued perfectly into my Laravel hate speech of the week. <laughs> How is that a segue to Laravel? Was that not? I, uh, uh, first, Eric, do you understand what I'm saying? Like where this before we segue off to something else? You 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 had me for a while, then you lost me. Like when you started talking about databases. <laughs> <laughs> so basically the for me the fix is when we insert into the into the table, we're just going to initialize the columns that are not nullable to an empty string or a zero, depending on what type it is. Like if it's a a varchar, it's going to be an empty string. Right. That that gets around it. I still don't fully understand the use case of how having an uninitialized field causes an update to fail because of a before insert trigger, but it does. Yeah, that, that was my thing, right? It's like these are existing records, though. That's where everyone was confused because you, if you hit a breakpoint before you actually went to the database with the update and you selected from the table, the record is there. So the insert worked fine. And you go to update and it just it fails saying column cannot be null. It made no sense. Sounds like database bullshit to me. Hmm. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's very it's confusing. Honor. Without the without the before insert, it worked fine. So <clears throat> I'm not sure if you guys are keeping up on the every version of Laravel that comes out. I've <clears throat> I really try not to. But this one came up. Laravel ten twenty came out. And this this drives me insane. It's it's one of the like giant red flags I have with Laravel. There's on Laravel models, there's a method called first or create, where you I say you say, I'm looking for a record that matches these parameters. If you don't find it, make a new record. Right? Mm-hmm. Simple. Very simple. Uh I use something very similar in my ORM. Uh, lots of RMs have these kinds of behaviors. Somebody, and, and just in case anybody's wondering, the first aspect of that is if that record exists, select that record. If it doesn't exist, then create, create it and, and select the record. Yeah. Right. So if if Tom Rideout with my phone number already exists in the database, let's just assume I'm th- that's the record we're looking for. 
a new method was introduced into eloquent models this week called create or first. So now eloquent models have first or create and create or first. And the difference is, is? well, there's no documentation outside of the Laravel news blog to cover what the difference is. So if you were to go to Laravel docs and try to figure out what the difference is or the API, it would not tell you the difference is first or create looks for a record matching the values you provided Mm -hmm. Tom write out my phone number. If there's a match, return it. Otherwise, create a record. Create or first assumes that there is a unique index on the values that you are checking. Attempts to create the record first. And if MySQL returns an error saying a key with that value already exists, then it selects that record. So what is the advantage? What what is the proposed advantage of that? The proposed advantage of this is race conditions in which you check for something to exist, and after you've checked that it exists, but before you have created the record, it gets created by something else. Race conditions like this are not what we would call common in PHP because of its single threaded nature. But when we start looking at things, when we start looking at things like roadrunner and multi-threaded fast instances, if you double click a button, it's possible that you could double create a record with the same values. It's not, it's not even just those because I'm actively fighting that right now because with our, API endpoint for a create somebody can post twice. It goes to a worker and then two workers spin up at the same time mm-hmm. and, and do the insert. So it's and, not, and it's not just a roadrunner thing. It is a real life PHP issue. So this is an acid compliant thing, which if you're not familiar with databases and acid compliance, I apologize for bringing it up to you in the first place. It's awful, but it is the worst case scenario for databases. But what a clusterfuck for an artisan framework that's going to handle a few hundred requests per minute at the most on like most applications or, I mean, it's create or first and first or create on laravelnews.com has a page and a half explanation of what the difference is between the two and when you should use them. And the, when you should use them part is just like, well, you'll know. And, and like, it's, there's also the optimization of you're not doing a select and then a, an insert, right? It's you're, you're, you're assuming your insert is going to work. You insert your, you move on on the off is, chance, on the off chance you get an error. This is a huge place. This is a huge place where doctrine says, I want to know the table structure to understand what it is I'm supposed to be doing. Whereas Laravel says, you define by hand what the table structure is. And there's no way of indicating in Laravel what the indexes are, what the unique indexes are. Doctrine understands this is a unique index. If you try to double insert on something, it'll fail. Because doctrine actually reads the database, the DTL, 
Laravel, you can't say it's going to fail because I indexed something over here. This is a huge departure from Laravel's standard of having all of the logic in Laravel. Now the assumption is there is logic in MySQL or Postgres or big data, whatever you're using. And when I bump into that, then do something else. This is totally a new th- a new tack for Laravel and not voted upon, not discussed before bring, being introduced into the framework. All the classic things I have a, a problem with, but in a very in a very specific way that I can point to and say, now that's not Laravel. But the the only issue I have with it would be the documentation part of it. They didn't, and it won't be. Done. They didn't. You they know didn't it intru- I don't know that it won't, but they didn't introduce a backwards breaking change. They didn't like, they're not sweeping the rug out from under people. It's here is a different way to do this. If it were documented, that's one thing we documented it. Here's a, it's a micro optimization possibly, but here, here's what you have to be aware of. You have to have an index on your database versus well, let me just see if the data you provided me is in there. There's a difference between the two as well in the fact that you could have your record with your phone number and an email address that's not indexed versus uh, you have to supply the exact record that's already there, right? Depending on how you do the insert. If this had had attributes or or something associated with it in the model that said you cannot use this without defining where these indexes like how tightly these indexes are defined that's but, one thing but even Is with the right? first even with the first to create you have to provide it the exact records that's there right otherwise it's going to fail and you're going to get duplicates but it'll in, it'll insert with a new auto incrementing key which is defined as part of the model i i agree but you'll keep the it, data it, but you're you kept going to your your name and your phone number, but if you provided any other data that didn't match exactly what's in the database, the first part is going to fail, and it's going to create a duplicate record with just a tiny little difference, right? Except except that this is this is an autofill for any modern IDE. It's just going to say, "Hey, do you want creator first or first to create?" And there's going to be no clarity about one versus the other, and there's going to be no enforcement of the rules on why creator first, which has a very strict rule set, operates versus first or create, which has a very loose rule set. Like first or create, I don't want to create a duplicate record. Creator first, I want someone else to decide that I've created a, du- a duplicate record and and if I haven't, then make a new one. It's, it's, it drives, it's I have so so many issues with this. Well, and, then don't don't use it. But it's not about me using it. It's about someone who comes <laughs> into Laravel, autofills first to create creator first, and doesn't understand the difference. And the documentation doesn't cover why there's a difference, hmm. and or the caveat of like this is for ACID compliant, aka banking systems. Like, I want to say aka banking systems. I mean. MySQL is an ACID. Com- Most of the common databases you use are ACID compliant. You don't have to, you don't need Databases, these. yes, because they have to allow for ACID compliance. Right, but, right, but don't qualify <laughs> with, 
because I'm not making a banking solution doesn't mean I'm not using an app. For acid an application compliance. to be acid compliance, it has to use the acid compliance of the database. And I understand why this is a thing that people would want, but having it as a core feature of eloquent models instead of an extension to do high performance acid compliant transactions in models. Also, that's the other thing. Transactions exist. Mm-hmm. Like you could do this in transaction. It's just again, this is this is Laravel hate time for Tom. Yeah, I think you're making a much bigger deal out of that than than it actually is. It's it's death by a thousand cuts. This is this is what I keep (laughs) seeing with Laravel, bringing in something that people just go, "What the fuck is this for?" Well, you know, I got some Laravel love, but before I get to that, let's uh, let's go and pull up our supporters on Patreon since uh, nobody else is doing it. I'll go ahead and do that. No, it's fine. You guys relax. I'll uh, I'll take care of it. Oh, thanks. I'll do that. Yeah. I'll do the top two buttons here. There you go. There we go. Uh, thank you, Patreon supporters, supporters on Patreon. We do appreciate you. Matter of fact, why why we're in this kind of let's 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 dial back a little bit. We have a show question in our show questions channel from Nindero. Um, I don't know if there's an answer for this. First thing, I guess the first question is, which blue elephant are you talking about? But their question is, does the blue elephant have a name? All the elephants have names. They do? Uh, yes. Because uh, okay, so there are several blue elephants. Does the OG have a name? Or is it just OG? So there is a uh, php.net. No, it's not. Uh, there is a list of all of the different elephants that were created. A field... Oh, Guide There's elephant elephants. Oh, field guide to elephants. A field guide to elephants. E l e p h p a n t s dot net. This has all of the elephants that were created, with pictures, why it was created, and I, I guess it's not like Beanie Babies. There's no value listed, but these are all of the elephants that were produced officially uh, by Vincent Pontier, was the original designer. There do are, you have to do something uh, to get the blessing of an official uh, official elephant? Actually, you guys know the answer to that better than I do, is that there is an official producer of the PHP elephant with, I believe, like a minimum production of, of 200? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. No, it's higher than that. It's higher, yeah. That's who we're using. So I'd say if you have a blue elephant without text on the side of it, Without like saying Zend or something like that, you might have a rare elephant there. If there's that no text the on the side, the question is, what is its name? I don't see names on here. I'll add this to the show notes for everybody to see. I already did. It's it's under the pictures. Is it? Yeah. So it would be the name of the sponsor or the or the official nickname. Well, I'm scrolling to the bottom to see if you guys pirated the, an elephant. Well, that's what I was looking at. The, the last tech one wasn't there. That's why uh, I don't know how we got it, how we have to get on this site. I always go to elephant.me, E-L-E-P-H-P-A-N-T.me, and uh, look at everything there. Because that's the ones where people post the ones that they have. It's like a you can trade with other people if you have multiples of something. And you, you actually... You actually flag yourself as saying, "Hey, I have a multiple of this one. 
I'm willing to trade. So I said I had a multiple of the PHP Architect ones. I have 600 of them. I have Vincent Pontier's shop, but have you seen the paper elephants? Yeah. I hadn't seen I actually purchased those. Oh, yeah. I don't know if you actually purchased them, but you you send you can send him money for that work. And uh, we have you guys have to do that for the next tech. Print them on like little foam like squares and make a little assembly. Well, the current wife has one of those crickets. I keep wanting to. I, I need to find them first. If I don't even know where, the, where where I have them, they're on my Dropbox somewhere. That but is so. The cr- current wife has a cricket, and I've been wanting to give them the outline for the uh, origami and let them cut it. But yeah, what? Yeah, I have I have all of them. The little the but the paper ones could be cut into like foam, like coaster mat material. Like okay. laser cut or, or cricket cut, and you could do that. That's so cool. I love that. <laughs> There's an orange one. They just call it toy orange. It's All right, so let, let's get back to let's get back to the the good news from Laravel. Uh, well, I mean, not directly from Laravel, but any good news from Laravel? What are you talking about? LiveWire 3.0 was released today. Yeah, baby, LiveWire 3.0. So uh, that's a thing. You know, I love my live wire. And uh, it's uh, cool. One of the cooler things about it, I'm, I'm trying to remember back to, to uh, Laracon, but they, ha- first off, live wire now is leveraging a lot more of Alpine JS, which is the framework uh, he created, the, the JavaScript framework he created. The, uh, 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 Porzio or Caleb Porzio. Um, So that's a thing. This is also where it now auto auto injects into a Laravel application. So you no longer have to go to your overarching blade and add live wire uh, scripts and all that. I think you're minimizing that part a little bit, actually, is that, during the blade rendering process, it checks if there are calls to uh, LiveWire elements, and if there are, it auto includes the LiveWire JS and CSS. So it's it's not it's not just that it's like default injected to your whole site. It checks if this part of the site, if this blade template needs it. Hmm. All right. All right. Cool. Cool. Uh, but one of the things I thought was cool, and this is one of those. If I was a JavaScript developer, this would probably not be a hard thing to do. I know John's done it in the past, but something that's always been like... Again, compliment or insult? I'm, I'm... No, it's a compliment. It's a compliment. I remember you telling me about this. This, this is how much attention I pay. I remember you telling me about this. But uh, if you're... Uh, if if uh, Again, John's done this in the past. JavaScript people have been doing this for a while, but... Now you can do it with LiveWire components, which is if that component isn't in the viewport, isn't being shown on the screen, it won't render. It will it'll only it'll only render when it's in the viewport, which is like I love that. Like things like that I are, are just such the nice little touches on websites that it just have always been one of the 
cha- like I've always had a challenge trying to do those things. Yeah, no, you're right. that is extraordinarily old behavior for JS libraries. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, I remember John saying he did it for bowlingball.com and it was a whole performance. It was it, for it was reasons. back then. Uh John, I don't know exactly when that was that but like we're looking at like 2007. Like jQuery was king of the hill back then. You have to speak, John. This is a podcast. You can't just <laughs> no. I didn't know you were looking for approval. Yes, 2007. Does that make you feel better? I was throwing a guess out there. I... <laughs> John, I got around, another question for you. There. Yes. So you, you're, you're fairly familiar with Doctrine, right? To a point, yes. To really? a point. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, that's what they use in their code base. I did not know that. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. You learned something today. We've only been podcasting for about five years. Glad to find out you've been paying attention. That's it's been like seven. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. It has been probably more like seven. Feels like way more than that. Anyways, <laughs> uh, working with Symphony, um, trying to make something with the Symphony framework and using Doctrine. I don't know if this is a Symphony thing or if this is like a, a everybody who uses Doctrine does it this way. But, well, first thing. I will speak on behalf of everybody that uses Doctrine. Let, let me let me sidetrack real quick, because I listened to last week's show, and I feel like I said it wrong. Last week, I kept saying attributes when I think I would meant to say annotations. Then I realized, the I'm same. not sure I understand the difference. And there's no difference. They're the same thing. Oh, they are the same thing. Attributes so, and annotations are the same thing. So attributes in other languages are what we call in the PHP world annotations. Annotations, yeah. No, attributes are a separate thing now, aren't they? There there are specific attributes. So in PHP, we've been using the term attribute as a sort of placeholder for uh, uh, strict typing or uh, read-only, write-only stuff like, like that. So there, when the RFC came through for annotations... And making them a legitimate thing in PHP 7.1, I think. Uh, there was a lot of discussion about the language we should use, and annotations was chosen because Doctrine had already been using the term annotations. Mm-hmm. And that's what everyone just settled on is the right thing to call it. But it, w- it was a point of contention for a while. Like attributes, mm-hmm. annotations, uh, 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 comment blocks, stuff like that. It all really means the same thing. It's just a like it's a linguistic difference. Okay, so attributes and annotations. Either way, I'm not necessarily wrong in saying it. All right. Well, I'm going to say annotations because, like you said, this was a symphony thing. But in symphony, in the models, the model of an object, uh, a, a model, knows its database structure because you have all the all that defined in the annotations for that model. Right. And the vernacular in doctrine is entity, right? Not model. Entity. Yes. Uh, Isn't it a model though? Entity is a single existence of a model. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's a model. I think a, a model is a structure for an entity in a database. I might be wrong there, but I. Anyway, continue. Yeah. No, that was my that was my question. If that was like a, re- a regular thing, it's it's how it's yeah. done. Yeah, that's okay. how, that's how all of our the code and for so, each thing. It's 
all annotations of this column is of this type and the, the database column name is this. So you can, you can break your entity, your model away from your table structure. You don't mm -hmm. have, just because you have a, something called a first name doesn't have to be first name in the object itself. Interesting. I am really warming up to annotations. I didn't think I was going to like them. And I'm, as I'm using symphony more, I'm starting to warm up. So the thing I really liked about this, uh, the annotations in the model or entity, I, you, you have me questioning it now. I, I would have to go back and look, but is that now symphony will generate your migrations for you. You don't have to define your database structure in your migration and then try to remember what it is, you know, in your model and then have to go back and look at your. That, that, I mean, that's built into doctrine, I believe we don't right. use it, but it it's built in there. Yeah. So that is like, I'm like starting to dig it now. Again, I'm very early in my symphony learning. I'm not mm -hmm. sure how it handles. And if you know, feel free to share with me how it handles, uh, 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 modifications to existing tables. Like you add a column or you change a column from. So I went to doctrine from a different active record library. And between those two, we were using active record for a long time and migrations. We going back over a decade created SQL files that had to be run in all the databases to keep them up to date. I then got them to use Finks, which is from Cake PHP. So that's the migration library that's currently being used. And then since then, we've gone to Doctrine. So we are still using Finks migrations while using Doctrine as the RM and the other active record. Oh, still in interesting. So not using that. Okay. How does, how does it work in in eloquent because one of the cool things i like in doctrine is custom mappings so like i said you can change your schema a little bit you don't have to follow be strict on following your table schema in your models at the same time we often store true false variables as zero or one right mm -hmm. that can be a boolean in your model can you do that in eloquent mm -hmm. yeah so there's a protected yeah. property called casts where you okay. define your uh, so structure. Doctrine has that same thing through those annotations where you can basically cast into not only uh, variables like Boolean or integer or whatever, but into custom enums or custom objects. Now, from what I understand, Doctrine has some some fun behind-the-scenes tools where if you update the database or update the model, but not vice, not vice versa, you can run this doctrine linter that is like, no, you fucked something up. Something's mm -hmm. not defined properly. Yeah. And I love that. I love that there's this idea. Put that in CI doctrine. and you're good to go. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> I love that in doctrine, there's this idea of pre-release, post-release. And like, if you have your CI pipeline, 
your uh, continuous integration pipeline worked out correctly, Doctrine just will be like, hey, no, you screwed something up. It's not going to be a problem now. Might be a problem in the future. Fix it here. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if you really picked up on it in Discord. I'm not seeing it, but uh, John what does look like John's right. It, they it is referred to as entity in Symphony. Well, in Doctrine, Symphony Doctrine. Oh, I I, every time I call. say Symphony, a lot of times I mean Doctrine when talking about database <laughs> stuff. <clears throat> hey, All right. So, you I, didn't talk. Sorry, I was going to say, Eric, you didn't talk about your heavy, uh, your well-responded-to Twitter comments from last week. Oh, that's true. Oh, that is right. Yeah, I took One of the most engaging Twitter conversations you've had, you said, on there. It's like eight responses. Yeah, that's that's not saying a whole lot. Uh, Oh, I thought it was was way more than eight. What are you talking about? Yeah, it's way more than eight. I, I I got distracted because somebody uh somebody called called me a a important person in the PHP community and then all uh, all other tweets before that just stopped meaning anything to me. Uh yeah, three thousand eight hundred and forty four views. Uh, I asked. We talked last week about writing raw SQL because I been writing uh i've been using active record for so long and eloquent for so long where i do write where raw clauses i could not have given you a good example i still can't give you a good example where i've written in code now a lot of people mixed up what i said i write raw sql in like data grip when i'm doing searches and stuff i or, or at the command line so a lot of people didn't catch the fact that I was referring to in code in, in my applications. I couldn't tell you the last time I've written a full raw SQL command. But to, to be fair, I, I'll, I'll give you a chance here, uh, Tom. To be fair, I was actually really surprised. It was it was like a 50-50 split of people saying, I don't write raw SQL anymore at all, to I write raw SQL every day. So I was I was really kind of shocked to hear how many people still write raw SQL queries in their code. I so I was, but you also cater towards the Vim crowd who choose the more difficult path. So I wasn't like accounting for that. The people who, who really love raw SQL will tell you how much they love it. The people who use eloquent will like read the thread and just keep going. Personal opinion. Uh, but uh, as far as like raw SQL, if you're in a reporting situation where you have these custom group buys and custom sorts, Laravel can't handle it. You have to order by raw. You have to do uh, tricks as far as MySQL methods that are common, but not part of Eloquent. Uh, you know, MySQL can do where between for two dates. But if you need to like know if it's between two months, not two exact timestamps, it's not as it can't handle it quite as well. So there's a lot of places to still write raw SQL. But I was really surprised because, man, like, well, you posted a video. I know this is this is 
trailing way off topic, but you posted a video of uh uh what plus pulse prime prime the primogen the primogen yeah doing a reaction video to is php dead no uh he says php doesn't suck php doesn't suck anymore so last week we talked about a video that came out called php doesn't suck anymore the primogen who i i had heard of but never really followed did a reaction video to it and it was like made my fucking day his did you watch the video i watched the whole thing i swear i honestly i gotta be honest with you uh i did a reply to somebody who had posted it uh, a few days back uh, actually last week before before our last week's show but i didn't watch the video because i just assumed i've watched an, enough of the prime shins videos and understands his take on php to yeah. kind of know it's like okay this guy's trolling us nope everybody's gonna watch this video and he's gonna you know he's being sarcastic or something so i i I didn't watch the actual video, if Dude, I could be quite honest with you, until I, today. I watched it today. It you you listed it in the Trello. I pulled it up just because I wanted to know what you're talking about. I saw 45 minutes, and I was like, yeah, I got 45 minutes. 40, 40, <laughs> 20, 25 minutes. Was it? He, he, was, he was, so the was like two hours. I feel like he was genuinely absolutely taken back by PHP. Yeah. And enjoying the first, it. The first thing he said was like traits. Hold on. I like have to re like situate myself to, to, to address this video because I did not think they were going to start off that strong. It's, it is a, uh, <laughs> it is a great video. I love that. He's got Taylor's Lamborghini in the, the thumbnail. That's not Taylor's. Taylor's is orange. Oh, that's. I right. hate the fact that I know that. But <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, it's a custom Laravel color that his wife got made for him. So, anyways, I I watched this video, and here's the thing: in the video, he re- he reacts to uh, the performance aspect where. The original video says, hey, uh, yeah, it doesn't scale to 50,000 requests per second unless you start really tweaking some stuff. But are you doing 50,000 requests per second? You're not. Shut up. That's how I feel. (laughs) That's how I feel about the ORMs is like I'm not dealing with 50,000 requests per second. I I might actually be. But still... (laughs) <laughs> if the ORM can handle it and it's and it shaves three days off of your debug time or doesn't add technical debt, use the fucking ORM. Right. Save yourself the headache of raw SQL that has a far greater rate of human error in it. The ORMs eliminate a a, a large amount of human error, let alone security issues with injectable value. Right. That, That's that always been true. my biggest thing. Yeah. True. And I can't get into it, but perfectly executed security on a query is still not perfect. Yep. You can absolutely do everything right. And a raw SQL query is more vulnerable than an ORM version of the exact same thing because it has 
type checks, linting, trimming, and things that you just don't want to care about handled for you. One of the big things that I found out about Laravel is that there's a middleware that just trims every input. Everything that actually hits your server is trimmed. Why would you know or care? You would Because I wanted that space at the end of my friggin' sentence. Why'd you take it away from me? <laughs> Bastard. So I I understand that the like raw SQL gives me more control, gives me more a greater understanding of what it is I'm trying to execute, but shit, I cannot read a hundred line MySQL statement because a join takes eight lines. If you establish a relationship in a model and you call that relationship, at least I know that that's what you're doing. But it's mm-hmm. often not performant. But it is performant. It's it, performant it is enough. Not in all cases. You're not getting 50,000 records per second. And where it's not performant, at least in this case, Laravel and Doctrine, they fix that problem. They say, yeah, this isn't performant because of the way we're doing this join or this relationship. We've tried to figure out how to make it better. We've improved it. But you get that performance when you upgrade to the next thing. No, I'm talking about when it comes to certain reports and how you join tables that you don't do on a daily basis. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's it. That's where I write custom SQL queries is reports. Okay. Then we're on the same page. I thought you were saying, no. I'm just saying that to use to, to, to daily drive. No. Yeah. Raw MySQL is a waste of your time. To try and reestablish a relationship between two tables that have a strong indexed relationship every time you want to make that query is a waste of your time. And your time is just as valuable as CPU cycles. It drives me nuts thinking people thinking I'm going to shave five tenths of a hundredth of a second off of this query. Like you should be taking 20% off a query if you're going to make a change. No, yeah, we're on the same page. All right. I'm a little but John, John, this. did you watch? Did you watch the video? No, I, I, because I clicked on the clip, so it kept going back to the same spot, and then the show started. Yeah, that that's <laughs> what I was going to say. I I had posted two of my favorite clips uh, about I think it was on eight twenty tonight, where the first one he he starts screaming about how he shook, he shook, and then uh, I can't I can't even tell you how many times he talked about having a PHP gasm. I will will say I'm very bothered by the fact that this one video has more views than any of our podcasts ever combined. Yeah, yeah, all of our podcasts. Followers. Yeah. I like to think we're entertaining. Not as entertaining as he is. No. Well, he also streams like every day or a couple times a week for hours. Yeah, about coding. He's a machine. Forty-one thousand subscribers. What are we doing wrong besides having me as one? We're podcasting at midnight. You know, at like the worst time of day for most of the world, except for buttery, maybe. And uh, we're doing it once a week. So yeah. that he that makes a be... video called "Don't Use No RM," which has seventy-one thousand views. I want to, I want us like stop podcasting now, just because. What are we supposed to do? <laughs> we're just having fun anyway, yeah. but we can realize we're running long, <laughs> and we'll talk about tech next week because we didn't get to it this week. His his most recent video. 
Are we sharing? Are we sharing more tech secrets? This most recent next week. You got a Kinesis keyboard, the one you guys had three years ago. So you just unboxed a Kinesis keyboard, which you guys have been you guys talked about three years ago and got twenty thousand views. <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I actually, I actually have my Kinesis key. I, I'm back to my old uh, Advantage Two right now because I love my uh, Adva- Advantage Three Hundred and Sixty, which is the new Bluetooth Kinesis keyboard, the modular one. I know John. John we're, we're killing John here. John, so what's in this? <laughs> I, I, I was like ready to send this back today. I haven't shared it with you guys, and maybe we'll talk about it next week, but. My my relationship with my 360 is so much a love-hate relationship right now. And the people over at Kinesis actually talked me off the ledge uh, today and said, hey, listen, we're going to get this working. Let me help you. I'm going to send you some firmware. I'm like, all right, dude. But I, I had already opened up a uh, RM. Is it called an RM? Uh Whatever you you return to manufacturer, yeah, RM, RM RMA, RMA. I had already already opened an RMA f- from like four months ago when I was having an issue. Still had it. I'm like, hey, is this RMA still good? Because I'm sending this back. And he's like, listen, wait a second. You can send it back, but he, let me try to help you through this. He's like, we've done the numbers on this since we've released it, and our failure rate on that hardware is so small that I can almost guarantee you there's nothing wrong with your keyboard. There's just, we just need to probably fix the software and let me help you with that. Cool. So they talked me off the ledge. I need to, I'll try to do it tomorrow. Maybe next week I'll have better things to say about it, but I love this keyboard when it's working. I can, I can pair it with four devices. So I, I I'll pair it with my main system, my laptop, my uh, iPad, and it's great. And my mouse is the same is the same way. I compare my mouse with three three different systems. So when I move to like my laptop out in the living room because it's too hot in my office, I'll scoop up my Kinesis. I'll scoop up my mouse. I'll flip it over to the second pairing, and I'm off and running again. I love that, and I love how it feels. But there's this Bluetooth issue that goes on between it that drives me nuts. And like so, if you guys are interested, we'll talk about it more next week. But sounds good. I know we need to wrap it up today. This has been episode three hundred and forty-nine. I'm Eric. I'm John. I am six foot three, two hundred and fifteen pounds. Okay. Keep it ugly. Keep it, Keep it ugly. One, two, one, two. Uh, coming off the top. Y'all know how we do. Listen, I'ma drop a freestyle you can cherish. I'ma send a shout out to the host named Eric. Yo, he's never on some average shit. You know, Eric, he stays loud and passionate. I'm about to break it down for y'all with the clever song. Yo, shout the host name Thomas, cause he's never wrong. Yo, shout to John. You know that he's smart and quiet. Unlike my freestyles, which cause a riot. I'm about to do it like this, cause the people love me. 
me Shouts out to PHP The ugly It's called ugly Cause it's not professional But I'm about to come through And bless it with style So let's do it When I'm spitting I perfume the room Yo, the segment of the show Is called doom and gloom That came from Thomas Yeah, can nobody go beyond this I get the mic And then I'm about to keep it Like a promise Yeah, and y'all know We fill them up with anguish We talking about the PHP The programming language About to break it down No exaggeration What do y'all do for a living web applications okay i can dig it my words spray tight uh they getting together on the thursday nights yeah when it comes to rhyming you can call me the new dude i spew true lyrics while y'all broadcast on youtube so let's get it you know my lyrics are major all up in the comments they got plenty of haters but they doing what they doing keep it ugly we ending every show with the saying it's lovely let's go yeah come on